0: All right, welcome to the Young Turks. We got a great guest for you guys, Tulsi Gabbard's back in the House, Representative Gabbard running for president, of course. Uh, So uh, welcome. Aloha, good to see you. Uh, Aloha too, I love being able to say aloha. Yes. Uh, So (laughs) uh, you are in LA for a couple of things. Uh, You were just down in Skid Row, Uh, tell us what you were doing there and, and how bad is it?
1: Uh, there's a homeless crisis, obviously facing California, facing Hawaii, facing this country with more and more people becoming homeless for a whole variety of reasons. But the biggest driver um, that we know of based on the statistics that we hear nationally, but also based on what we heard earlier today at Skid Row, is it it is the, the high cost of living, gentrification, and the extreme lack of truly affordable housing where people just don't have any other options. You have people who are working, who are either sleeping in their cars or are sleeping on the streets because they literally cannot afford to put a roof over their heads.
0: So, if you're president, is there anything that could be done about that? And because it's a tough issue, because it is. it's predominantly a local issue, and so New York, it's bad, but they spend seventeen thousand dollars per homeless person in New York. In LA, it's disastrous cuz they only spend $5,000 per homeless yeah. person. And so that's why we now have 10 cities all over Los Angeles. So can the president do anything about that? I
1: think there, there is a role that must be played by the federal, state, and local levels of government. Obviously at the local level, you have different zoning requirements. You have decisions that are made about city or county owned land, perhaps, that can be designated at a very affordable rate especially in a place like Los Angeles that has such a high cost of living. Just one example, there's a federal program called Housing First. And I asked them earlier today, how does that work or not work here for Los Angeles? And they said it might work in other places where the cost of living is lower. But here, I think they said the cost for one unit is something like $550,000, which makes Housing First. Not a viable option for a city like Los Angeles. So you've got to have that coordination between every level of government, the private sector, all of these amazing service providers and nonprofits who are doing such great work every day.
0: Yeah, no, now uh, small apartments in Compton are going for half a million dollars. Crazy. It's totally new uh, meaning to straight out of Compton. And and Uh, what's so so
1: disturbing is, is some of the things they were telling us. Obviously, we were walking through and walking through the streets. We walked into a a center for women that provides services specifically for women. They talked about the um, increasing rates of women who are coming in as uh, survivors of domestic violence and abuse. Um, the different services that they can provide to them. But what was what was very striking was that the numbers of people who are homeless are not increasing by small amounts. Uh, these numbers are increasing at you know twenty or thirty or forty percent rates that they're seeing here in Los Angeles. And so this this really is a crisis that must be, um, that, that requires serious action, urgent action.
0: Yeah, if you don't believe in income inequality, first of all, you're wrong. Uh, second of all, just drive to LA yeah. uh, downtown and uh, it'll hit you right across the face. Yeah. So you were also here to look at a nuclear power plant.
1: Yeah, right? we were in San Onofre this morning uh-huh. and uh, I'm grateful we went out and paddled out for an early morning surf, it was a little bit chilly.
0: So you literally surfed
1: this morning. We did, we did. So
0: I, I'm not sure a lot of other presidential candidates can <laughs> say that. Did you see Bernie out there or no?
1: No, no, no there, there were a few okay. other folks, but no, uh-huh. I didn't see Bernie out okay, there. All right. Um, it, it was, it, it's an issue that I've been learning a lot more about recently, specifically at San Onofre, just about how this, this nuclear power plant has been out of service essentially since 2012. But the issue of the nuclear waste that has been produced over the time that was active uh, is threatening this community. Uh, it's literally as we were out there in the ocean looking back at land, we saw the canisters lined up of this nuclear waste, literally right above where the beach is. Uh, so if you can imagine the risk that that poses just based on the proximity to the ocean. Um, accidents take place, they've, as they're moving these canisters around, they've had some very near, near misses. Uh, but also this is on, uh, on, on an earthquake fault line. That so, seems like
0: a really good idea, yeah. to put a nuclear power plant on an earthquake fault line. We actually talked about it within the last week, we had yeah. Harvey Wasserman in here, and he's talking about shutting down the last nuclear power plant yeah. in the LA area, yeah. cuz they're concerned about it. Now, now, other Democrats don't agree, of course. So Barack Obama was in favor of all of the above strategy mm-hmm. in energy. So was he wrong about that?
1: Yes. Yeah, nuclear power is not something that we should continue to pursue for a whole host of reasons. One is the waste that's left behind is literally here for 500,000 years. The risk that that poses to us uh, as people, to generations to come to our planet is something that is unacceptable. What to speak of the risk that is incurred with nuclear power plants that are operational. We've seen too many examples of accidents that have devastated, devastated communities and people's lives. And the fact that these these nuclear power companies uh, rely on us as taxpayers to ensure them should raise all kind of red flags and be enough of a reason why we should not be pursuing further uh, any nuclear power options.
0: Yeah, Harvey was making the same case, that if, if private insurance won't insure you, There's some chance that you're literally toxic and and that it's gonna blow up and cause tremendous costs for the American people.
1: That's why it's so important for us to not be short-sighted as we're looking at how we can best invest our resources towards clean, renewable energy. Nuclear power is not one of them.
0: So many topics, but let me just quickly, since we brought up Obama, he was brought in by Nancy Pelosi to yell at the Freshman Congressman recently. Okay, now they don't say yell? Did he and he yell? Did. No, of course not. He's <laughs> Obama. He didn't yell, right? But and and you guys are arguably two of the most famous people from Hawaii ever. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> um, so he he was told him, hey, unity, etc. But. The corporate Dems don't always agree to unity. Max Rose out there bashing Ilhan Omar on Fox News today, so that happened. Mm -hmm. So what's your take on the president coming in and saying unity? Because you're in the middle of a primary. How could you have unity in a primary?
1: You Uh, see what I'm saying? I I didn't go to that event, so I don't know know what was said or what wasn't said. Uh, What I think is important for us to focus on is unity for the sake of unity is meaningless. What, what are we uniting around? That's really the question that we need to be asking ourselves, both as Democrats and as Americans. We need to be uniting around this, this mission and focus of putting service before self, putting the well-being of the people and our planet ahead of profits and ahead of politics. That is something that we must unite around. We'll have different ideas on different issues, different positions, different takes on things, which is fine, but if we're uniting around that, that common purpose. How can we best be of service to the people of this country and our planet? Uh, That's that's the unity that we should be striving for.
0: Okay, I hear you. So let's talk about net neutrality. Uh, So you just uh, supported and voted for uh, the Save the Internet Act? Yes. Okay. What is that? Uh,
1: This very simply reinstates net neutrality that Ajit Pai, the chairman of the FCC, repealed uh, just last year. Uh, This is so important because- you know the internet has to be a level playing field. Uh, no internet service provider should be in a position where they can uh, arbitrarily discriminate uh, on who is putting up content, who is seeing that content, which of that content is getting throttled or not, based on how much money you have. You know, as a creator, as a small business owner, or whatever. The internet has to remain that 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 equal, neutral playing field, so- uh, and that's what this bill does. Is is it makes it so that. That net neutrality provision was put back into law. Can
0: it can it overrule the FCC in a sense? Yes. Okay. Yes. And it, I and I should know this, but I, did all the Democrats vote for it? Do you know?
1: Uh, I don't. I don't know to be honest. Okay. It passed. I think I, there was 190 people who voted no.
0: Uh-huh. I didn't,
1: I didn't look to see yeah, how that Yeah, I got you. All right, broken. so but
0: it passed easily in the House. So it goes to the Senate where the Republicans will has likely said kill it?
1: it? He's already said it's dead on arrival. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Trump administration has said that if it does come to the president's desk that he will veto it. But uh, this is an issue, like some others, that has uh, broad nonpartisan support. You have people across party lines who recognize how important it is that we protect the Internet as this neutral ground and not allow corporate interests or those who are coming in with money and can pay to play uh, to take that away from us.
0: So yeah, it has both broad and broadband support. Um, okay, you're, but it, full, you're full of jokes I tonight. Know, tonight, okay. <laughs> so uh, it, look, it's enormously popular in the country. That's why it's, it doesn't play well for Republicans. That's why it's great that they passed it in the House.
1: And, and that, that's where we, all, all people of all parties who are interested in making sure that our Internet is protected, they we, we have got to put the pressure on the Senate to pass this.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and, and the reason the right wing online support it is because then big corporate power can use it to push them out as well. Yeah, and so- It's something they that They can't actually us. unite us. Uh, the only people standing in the way is usually, as usual, is corporate Republicans. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's go to Assange. So Julian yeah. Assange was just arrested, um, now some on MSNBC say that's a wonderful thing. Hillary Clinton earlier today mm-hmm. said it was a wonderful thing. Uh, what's your take on it? Uh,
1: it's a dangerous thing. It sets a very dangerous precedent that threatens our free press and our free speech. Uh, Because it basically sends a message that if you're someone who is blowing the whistle uh, or uh, on on things that are happening within our government that the American people need to know about that shouldn't be happening or that are unconstitutional, or if you're publishing information like that, then the government will come in and levy consequences. So basically, you've got to, to be quiet. You know, stay in line. Otherwise, you'll see what happens. It creates this this climate of fear that is very dangerous. Yes, for journalists, for those who are putting out this information, but also for every American. This is not what our democracy is about.
0: So, for Democrats like Hillary Clinton, are are they? Is it personal for them? Are they letting their emotions about 2016 get in the way? Yeah of uh, of what they should do in terms of protecting so press You know freedom? what I
1: think is very telling, is that over time we've seen with WikiLeaks, how at certain times when WikiLeaks has put out information that Democrats have liked, they have appreciated that that information is in the public. Uh, at other times when WikiLeaks has put out information that Republicans have liked, they said, okay, good, thanks WikiLeaks for putting this information out. Uh, but. We, we have to appreciate this transparency across the board and not be selective based on whether or not it benefits or hurts our own party's political interests. I think that's really the key here when we talk about free speech, and we talk about a free press. We have to stand for that freedom, whether the information that's being put out is something that we agree with or not. That's really what's at the foundation of our country and this freedom that's so important to protect.
0: Yep, Uh, so I wanna ask you uh, one more question, and this is about Netanyahu. So he appears to have won again, Uh, he's likely going to be able to form a government with uh, other conservative parties in Israel, what's your take
1: on that? I'm concerned given the heightened rhetoric uh, that he was putting out, especially in the lead up to the election, uh, much of it with the support of President Trump, that further Takes us farther away from the possibilities of of bringing about a peaceful resolution to this ongoing conflict uh, in the region. I think that's the thing that's most concerning. Um, you know, the statements that he made about annexing the West Bank uh, just before the election, uh, obviously the Golan Heights, and the statements that President Trump said supporting uh, Netanyahu in that. I think these are things that were all clearly done for political reasons, uh, but really have dangerous very costly consequences.
0: So he was also for ripping up the Iran deal, and I'm very worried that that's gonna lead us to a war in the Middle East. I'm extremely
1: concerned about that, especially because not only has President Trump followed through on that and, and withdrawn the United States from the Iran nuclear deal, levying more heavy sanctions against Iran. It is very clear that this administration is beating their war drums to go to war against Iran, something that a guy like John Bolton has wanted to do for a very long time. Uh, So we all have to be very clear-eyed about what's happening here uh, and make sure that this is not a war that they're allowed to start uh, on their own in the dark of night.
0: So if you're president, you go back into that deal? I would. Yeah, and uh, is it a coincidence that the two countries we seem to be Amping up for military conflict in uh, Iran and Venezuela seem to have nothing in common other than lots of oil.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not hard to connect the dots. You know, this is not something that is is honestly being hidden. This is happening right before our very eyes with this administration launching these regime change efforts in both of these countries, Uh, and obviously doing it for not not for what's in the best interest of the American people, by any means, and in both countries. a Situation where if they are allowed to continue pursuing this, there will be disastrous and costly consequences both for us and the people in those countries.
0: All right, I wanna give the website everybody, 12, uh, Tulsi2020.com, uh, and you could uh, volunteer going to Tulsi2020.com slash volunteer, and Tulsi2020.com slash donate. Uh, you did get into the debates, right? We did. Yes, yes. you passed Thanks the sixty-five thousand. All
1: of uh, all of those who came out and gave their one dollar, gave their five bucks or ten bucks. Uh, we exceeded the sixty-five thousand uh, requirement to get on that debate stage, and looking forward to bringing these important issues to this national debate.
0: Yeah, we just uh, decided that I'm going to Miami to cover that. Uh, the person who made Great. that decision is me. Uh, so, <laughs> so, Frank <laughs> so has we'll its privileges, huh? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Thank you all for right. coming Thanks, in, Representative Gabbard. Appreciate you. it. Aloha. Aloha means goodbye.